0: Pod Save the Queen! Hello, and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. You may have noticed straight away that I am not your usual host. No, it is me, Russell Myers, and uh, we have worked down the list of people who were available today, and uh, you've ended up with me, I'm afraid. Anne is off on maternity leave. Zoe is unfortunately not very well. Sarah Bradbury can't sit in the seat and stop fidgeting for more than five minutes. So I am going to be your host and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague and friend of the show, Ian Vogler, the esteemed mirror photographer who basically looks after me on all the trips. And uh, how are you, Ian? Very well. How are you today, Russ? I'm not too bad. I'm feeling refreshed, revitalised. We have just come back from a fantastic tour, which we are going to dive straight into. Uh, Obviously, I caught up with Zoe last week while we were in Jordan. But I think perhaps we could do a little bit of a debrief, speak about our best parts of the tour before moving on to other events we've got another trip coming up to Barbados next uh, over the next couple of days obviously Barbados has been voted to become a republic and we will be there to witness the hand over with prince charles but before we crash into that let's talk a little bit about um i suppose our, our evaluation and of jordan and egypt i think it was pretty good tour i think it went well talk about the sort of bit of diplomatic power at play with the royals going over there obviously it's the first time We have been away in nearly, God, two years. So hit me with some of your highlights. What were were some of your highlights from the tour?
1: Well, it was was quite interesting, wasn't it, just sort of getting back into the life of being on tour. And the main piece of advice that I was given when I started doing these Royal Tours by an esteemed colleague was don't miss the bus. Because if you miss (laughs) the bus at the start of the day, you know what it's like. You can't get anywhere. So... I was slightly panicked about missing the bus. But you know what? It was a really interesting, really interesting trip. Jordan, I've been, we went with uh, Prince William before. We did, a couple of years (laughs) ago. We went there a couple of years ago. Still haven't made it down to Petra, unfortunately. But this time we went to some fantastic sites. We went to the uh, site where John John the Baptist uh, baptized (laughs) Jesus, which is uh, an astonishing site. Uh, the weather was good and the pictures were fantastic and they they seem to love being there, don't you think?
0: I do, actually. You know, um, I, I've, I've loved going to Jordan. I've been there on two royal tours now that you just mentioned. I think we went to, I think I think that was 2018, so a few, a few years ago now, but that was with Prince William and I think we went to Egypt as well. So it's, it's always good to sort of put a couple of countries together when you're um, over that side of the world. And... I think, and I did think this at the time, but looking back on some of your pictures just before we were, you know, coming on air today, um, I think they looked rather happy. And a lot of people were making a big deal about Camilla. She's apparently got a new hairdresser. I didn't know this at the time, but she's, you know, looking resplendent. I mean, some of the outfits she was wearing, I mean, she's 73. And she'd said to to one of the journalists on the tour, which I thought was quite a nice line, actually, that there was a plenty more snap in their celery. Um, and I think that gives you a sort of indication about the fact that, yeah, they might be getting on. I mean, 70, she's sorry, she's 74, he's 73, but there's still an awful lot of work to do. And with this, the Queen taking a back seat as she has done over the last few weeks, um, Bit of an update later on the Queen's health. Obviously, she, she was forced to step back from several engagements over the last few weeks and then suffering a back strain. But Charles and Camilla are front and centre now. And you talk about this this sort of diplomatic power at play. They are the main ones, I imagine, that people... Especially, sort of the 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 monarchies, such as Jordan, want to be seen with and want to be dealing with. So, I do think when you're talking about an issue like Jordan, obviously we were speaking a lot about environmentalism, the refugee crisis over in Jordan. Um, I think that Charles and Camilla were probably, um, you know, certainly the right people to 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 go and do that trip.
1: Yeah, I think so. On the glamour stakes, I mean, you know, Camilla was up against Queen Rania, who's uh, 20 years younger than Camilla. And she, yeah, Camilla certainly looked as glamorous as the younger Queen of Jordan did. It was quite fantastic to see. You know what, I
0: did one of the engagements and it was with Queen Rania. And we touched upon this last week when uh, Queen Rania was whipping about Aman in uh, in the Tesla, riding in sky high stilettos, which I found pretty impressive. But Queen Rania was su- super impressive, super engaged. She's very very intelligent. She she I mean, there's often you know as some with, with certain royals, naming no names, there can be a bit of needle with the press and whether they want to act uh, you know actively engage with them. Camilla is never like that. She's super engaging. She um she has a real appreciation for the press being there to be able to highlight. The causes, the charities, certain engagements. Queen Rania was absolutely a list in that she knew exactly what she was doing. She engaged with the press. We were at a um, a children's centre bearing her name that um, is uh, a place of solace, really, for lots of refugee, mainly refugee children from Syria and Afghanistan, but but also Jordanian families as well. Young girls who have suffered sexual violence um, and obviously in the most horrific of circumstances during their journey to Jordan. And um, and Camilla was equally equally engaging, to be honest. She was very, very uh, great with the press, speaking to all the kids. I think she's got a fantastic nature about her. And the two of them worked really, really well together. And when I looked down the sort of lists of engagements, you know, we went to, as you just mentioned, Jesus Christ's burial site. We went to the fantastic uh, archaeological site of Umm um, Qais, which I'll touch upon in a minute. But then, Charles, the, the, this engagement at the kids' center with Camilla—I didn't think that that would actually be that great—and it was, it was, it was really fantastic. So, to see to see Charles and Camilla out and about is um a is a is a is a is a decent um, a decent term for the books because obviously people look forward to a big tour and this was probably the right one to kick it off with.
1: It was, wasn't it? I think these sites are just so important and so historic. And uh, Prince Charles is someone who really enjoys being immersed in these historical places. He probably knows more about it than the people showing him around. You know, when you get the tour guides, it was fantastic to, to be there and to, and to see all of that and the tesla was quite funny wasn't it I mean, it was it we was. didn't see too many electric car charging points in jordan did we
0: no I, I remember speaking to you about that i mean there's probably one at the palace but that's probably yeah. about it i mean there's a lot of lot of dirty diesel cars um roaming around the city or actually not even oh, roaming yeah. the traffic is absolutely phenomenal well, in uh, in amman um just touching on upon um um case i always get it wrong it is um case isn't it I think so. Yeah, I think it is. So, Umcase is this incredible site that we went to, and um, you can stand essentially on the top of this. I mean, I, re- I should remember this. I think, I think it dates back to something like 3rd BC, 3rd, 3rd century, right? And you can stand at the top of this site and in the distance you can see syria the sea of galilee lebanon then you sort of turn around to your left and you can see uh israel and palestine as well so it is this vantage point that we were up at was absolutely incredible and um you just mentioned petra there i have actually fortunately been to petra when i was on holiday in israel um and you can just sort of take a Take a like, a like a school trip, I suppose. Sounds like a raw tour to be honest, like a school trip, but you can get a, a little bus and take you down there. And we went to Juresh last time, didn't we? So you've got Petra, yeah. Juresh, and Case is probably like the three main um, tourist sites. And for a country that, again, fun fact that we found out on the tour, 12 over 12% of their national GDP is, is reliant on tourism, which I found. You know, astonishing because there is a, this country is suffering. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Jordan was chosen as well. There was a little bit of the, you know, I thought I did think it, we would do some more things with refugees. I suppose that was the Queen Rania and Camilla engagement. But in terms of in my re- environmentalism, they need that money be, from the tourism because you've had COVID, because you've had you know, so, so many uh, changes within the country. They aren't getting that tourism. But the astonishing fact is that they are in the top three for, um, I suppose, lack of water. They are about to run out of water in the next less than twenty years unless there is, I don't know, a huge solution. And they don't seem to be coming up with those solutions at the moment. So, for a country, what what are the, what are the figures for a country? They've, they they can cater for two million, and they've currently got ten million people in the country, and uh, I think you know what are the other two Saudi Arabia and Qatar and they're in the, they're in the top 3 i think there's you know vying for the worst spot unfortunately but it's a, it's obviously a really really big problem so with prince charles being there and being able to shine a light on these uh,
1: environmental issues i think it was um, it was probably doubly important Yeah, I mean, even when we got to see the baptismal site, um, you could see how low down the water was. If you look at old pictures, you know, that that part of the River Jordan, the water level has just virtually disappeared. I mean, it it, it resembled a, a big puddle, didn't it, really?
0: It did. Yeah, I'll correct myself. I think I said burial site. Obviously, baptism site. The um, but the you're right. I think that this is. I mean, it's attached to the River Jordan, and it it you I didn't know what I expected to be honest. I thought I thought it would be a, next to a flowing river, and there would be this big pool, essentially like the Sea of Galilee. But mm-hmm. when you got there, um, you know, certainly seeing some of the the images from the day, uh, it was. Obviously, an impressive site, a very, very important site. Um, but I think that that tells you a lot of what you need to know about the, um, the awful environmental impact that the, the, the country is suffering. But uh, listen, it, was, it was a great, great trip. You had everything. You had sort of the, the palace uh, engagements. You had, uh, you had the, the, the engagements with Queen Rania and Camilla, which went, went fantastically well. Um, Prince Charles... Obviously, speaking on a, a environmental platform as well, and then the evening reception, which I was just looking at some of your pictures from the night. Actually, on well, the, I have to the-
1: tell you, I don't want to, you know, no one upmanship, Russell. But the king did actually speak to me. Oh yeah, what well, well, le- come on, a lengthy conversation. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't repeat it, but I will. <laughs> good evening, he said. Well, <laughs> and, I, and I said, good evening, sir. See, And the other photographer beat me to it. He said, good evening, your Royal Highness, which probably was correct. I went with sir. Uh, well, um, I don't, at least you were polite, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you know. He's got his own photographer and the Queen's got her own photographer. It's very interesting to see that dynamic, actually. They both seem to have their own photographers.
0: Well, I, I thought that as well. There was, you know, on one of the engagements, there was more press than... Um, than royals and their staff, to be honest, which normally mm. isn't the case. It was absolute pandemonium, not as much as Egypt, which oh. was absolutely... Fun. Jordan mm. was very structured. I think we thought this before the way, didn't we? Mm. It was very structured, you know, obviously when you're travelling through amman which is based upon seven mountains. I think this is the, the geological aspect of it. I mean, it was very, very hilly. Uh, you'd definitely be burning the battery on your Tesla going up and down the hills but the, it, was, it was very structured it went really well it was really good to kick the tour off and I think there was a bit of apprehension because it had gone so well we knew when we were going to get to Cairo it was going to be crazy and it didn't disappoint as soon as we got... To the mosque on the first engagement, I mean, it was absolute <laughs> pandemonium. It there was a like were... British
1: bulldog, wasn't it? <laughs> media versus Egyptian media, it British was...
0: bulldog. I mean, just to sort of set the scene, there was—I mean, just craziness going on that with the um, when the Egyptian press were there, they were hemming penning uh Charles and Camilla in they couldn't get out it was like I don't it was like a game of tag they didn't know where to go it was it was very very bizarre to see because obviously these engagements are normally managed let's say we're on an engagement I suppose anywhere else I've never seen it like that before you've been on a lot more tours so you've probably seen a, a bit of a bum fight before but it was it was quite extraordinary
1: that was spectacular. We were we were ushered in by the people from the embassy, and there's a little roped-off position about 10 metres away from where the royal couple were going to walk through this beautiful courtyard. So we stood there like, like good people. And as the royals came through the doorway, it was like it was like a moving scrum. It was about 25, 30 Egyptian camera crews, about two feet from their faces. We couldn't see anything. We, we broke ranks from our position, much to the disgrace of... Some of the embassy handlers, and and then British Bulldog took a place in the middle, didn't they? Yeah, it was absolutely. I lost outrageous. my accreditation pass somewhere in the in the melee. It was quite. I think I was in the second row of the scrum, and uh, <laughs> it was just crazy, wasn't it? And then I tell you what happened after that, though, because it was so messy. They went inside to look around, and then Camilla had to go to another part of the mosque. I think she picked up on the vibe that we really hadn't got very much in the way of pictures because without Egyptian people, Egyptian photographers in the picture. So she did a lovely slow walk right across our position, looking at us, literally posing for us. So we got something out of it because it was just it was just craziness.
0: Well, I'm just I was just looking at those pictures. So this was at the Al Azhar Mosque, which is yeah. the oldest Sunni institution in the Muslim world. So it's a spe- spectacular holy place. Um, it was incredible. And she, a lot of people have been speaking about. I suppose we need Sarah Bradbury here because everyone knows my fashion knowledge is not the best. However, I was going to describe it as a tunic. Is that how would you describe this? Yeah, pink, I think that's right. A pink tunic with very, very nice, loose-fitting white. Dan will be absolutely wetting himself in the gallery listening to me now at the moment. But oh, wait, white, white linen, white silk trousers. I mean, you can have a look at them yourself. Yeah. But when she walked across the marble, the white marble floor of this mosque, the pictures are fantastic. And mm, so you know, we put we put them. Uh, Zoe put them on the Pod Save Instagram uh, account last week. So if you haven't seen them, have to take a look. They are absolutely worth it. And then. Then we went on a bit more crazy Cairo, going through the streets. I mean, it is just a phenomenal place, and I've always wanted to go to the pyramids and see the Sphinx, and it did not disappoint. I suppose because we were going in winter time, we often, we have you been
1: before? I've never. I've been to the pyramids, but they were. It was around the time of the revolution. That was over 10 years ago. And they, they were closed, but a kindly guard offered to open them for me for $200. Oh, I bet he
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> I declined
1: his offer. I was a little bit worried about the security of. Uh, anyway, but no, that's the first proper visit was last week. Yeah. Because
0: I've always thought it's, and I've heard, you. Oh, don't go to the pyramids. It gets so busy. You'll be, you know, pickpockets mm. everywhere, you know. And I think, yeah, I think we'll be all right. We've traveled a little bit. We're from South London, for God's sake, so <laughs> you used to that sort of caper. But it was it was very quiet. Apart from there was this bizarre... Did, did you see the, the the lads from... They were like these lads from Birmingham and Luton. There was about... Yeah, the stag do. It looked like a stag do. I thought they were going to start doing selfies with the royals at one point. They probably would have done, given half the chance. But we got there... It was semi-organised. I think there wasn't a lot of thought into where you were going to get your pictures. So you nearly were taking Mm. pictures of Royals standing up against the wall. Uh, But once you sorted that out, fantastic pictures once again. And then quite a solemn trip, I think, because, you know, as we were getting there, they went to see the Sphinx. The the sun was setting in the distance. I mean, talk talk to me about it from sort of um, a, a photography aspect.
1: I became slightly obsessed with the time of sunset leading up to that because I think it wasn't until I got to Jordan that I realised that the sun sets around 5.30. We weren't scheduled to get to the pyramids till I think it was half four. And these things often run late. So slightly, we are all slightly obsessed with sunset and so on. But timing-wise, it, it worked out okay in the end because the sun was setting, but they were on time. You know, the original where they suggested we take the picture. It was too close to the pyramid. So, oh, the best bit wasn't it. So we, the, the royal cortege is arriving, all the cars are pulling up. We've cleared as much space as we can. We spoke to the press officers, all ready to stand Prince Charles and Camilla in this spot out of nowhere appears a stray dog that thinks it's going to attach itself to her leg, is not it? She's trying to get rid of the dog whilst the royals are walking about 10 metres. It's like comedy, you know. If yeah, that well. dog jumps onto Prince Charles's shoe, you know, we've got a great story. And obviously, they're camilla's love of animals she couldn't harm it in any way no i know had to um, <laughs> usher it away somehow or another people but, were desperately willing um, it to just yeah, leave them just alone comedy. yeah all the things you can plan for it shouldn't happen to a press officer everything you plan for stray dogs is not one of them yeah but yeah it's like t- t- lots of tourists they didn't close it off there was lots of tourists no But then um they'd laid on those golf buggy things thinking that the royals would want to you know, be ridden around. But they walked all around the site. And uh, I think they went inside the pyramid, didn't they? We went, we left there to go to the Sphinx. But they really enjoyed it. Had a good old walk round, And everyone sort of, you know, walked with them, all the entourage, the tour guides and that. And the Sphinx was a great picture. So, again, we worked out, you know, where's the sun and all that. And uh, unlike, yeah, some of the other royals, should we say, they just absolutely fine to be directed, can you stand there? The Sun's there. It was brilliant you know, yeah, to see the Sphinx. It was amazing. True, true praise. I'm looking at the pictures now. Lene. What about uh, the American TV crew now? <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah. This you're American in- TV crew. We've been there all afternoon getting ready. And the guy's practiced his whole thing about Prince Charles. Or something like that. And he naively thinks that none of us are going to stand in front of him. And he's just going to be allowed to shoot, you know, Prince Charles walking across the background with himself in the front doing his piece to camera, and of course everyone just charged in, stood in front of him because we couldn't see the royals otherwise. Obviously, and poor man was yeah. having a heart attack. Wasn't he? He, he sort of just disappeared like a drowning man. He realised <laughs> there's no way we were getting out of the way because we'd come to get the picture of the prince. You know, I know. I mean, he must have been a local,
0: a local guy because. Or oh, yeah. based base in Cairo because no one had seen him on the tour, and then he said, like, guys, guys, you're in my shot." And everyone but, was yeah. like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, apologies <laughs> to him. The yeah. 50 other press who yeah. need to get a photograph. But anyway, honestly, these, these photographs yeah. are phenomenal. Again, good, on yeah. the Pod Save site, um, Ian's fantastic shots. You got the sun just dipping down behind the sphinx. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. Not busy at all. It was very managed. Got the yeah. shot, and um, I think you know a real interesting finish because then we went to um, Prince Charles then made a really interesting speech actually about the you know the cooperation between countries and Then it was a couple of hours. I think they had a bit of a timeout, and then we went to a place called the Nine Pyramids Lounge, which is sort of in the distance, in this sort of the the desert, and you can see the pyramids all lit up in the background. But the reason he was making this speech to uh, a bunch of dignitaries, I suppose, top top Egyptian business people, was to talk about you know the how he had been inspired by human intuition and human um, endeavour, I suppose, and by saying, listen, if man can, if man can do this and we've talked about all the interesting weird and wonderful facts of the pyramids and how they were built and people still don't know how they found true north and whatnot but if man can do this uh, several thousand years ago then man should be putting all its efforts into the issue of climate change and of course Egypt is one of those uh, countries in the region that is being severely affected by climate change. Now you touched upon earlier one of those points is don't miss the bus. And I made you not only miss the bus, but I made you miss the plane as well, because after this reception, I ended up having an allergic reaction to something I ate, which I probably shouldn't have done. Not that I knew that at the time, but I ended up in hospital for a couple of days. And just to say publicly, thank you very much for staying with me, because I would have probably been abandoned high and dry in Cairo Hospital on my own. I am I am fully well, sort of fully recovered now. I've, I feel much better. But Ian, thank you very much for staying with me oh, in pleasure. the hospital.
1: We were very well looked after. The guys from the embassy took us to this fantastic hospital. We had a bodyguard didn't we, for a few hours. There was this lovely guy, Muhammad, and they they told him go with these two clowns to the hospital. And um, if they admit if they admit Russell, then the guy could leave us. But if he if he was going to be you know kicked out in a few hours he Had to stay with us the whole time, so it was like having a bodyguard. For a few-
0: I know it was very impressive. Shout out Great. to Mohammed from the embassy Mohammed, because he was right. fantastic and uh, and and, later, and,
1: uh everything amazing. he was
0: wonderful. All the all the uh, I was very well cared for by the British embassy, got me to hospital after I couldn't essentially breathe. <laughs> but we and are
1: amazing. Uh, um, Sarah wasn't it from the hospital,
0: S- Sarah from the As Salam hospital? Big shout out, I'm feeling much better. Uh, and um, I was given a lot of sympathy by Ian Vogler, as you can well imagine uh, and, uh, on the trip on the trip home but we have managed to get home now i'm just going to touch upon um sort of a, a, you know in conclusion people often wonder why we do these tours and why the royals do, do the tours and there was a particularly good piece on the bbc by our, our friend and colleague johnny diamond and if you in our, i might I'll, i might i'll retweet it later actually because you should have a read of this and i think that Often people wonder what th- what the deal is, why they go. And, it, and we often talk about soft diplomacy. Well, what is soft diplomacy? What is the reason for the royals going? And it is because once the royals go, you get fantastic coverage. You'll get those pictures at the Sphinx and the Pyramids. You'll get the ability for Prince Charles to be speaking on a, a big platform about environmental issues, uh, speaking to you know lots of people in the Western world possibly didn't know about... Um, may have known about Jordan's uh, involvement with the refugee crisis, but not uh, about the environmental crisis. So it brings it to a different audience. And I think that um, Johnny Johnny basically put it uh, as is Prince Charles aware that every time he leaves the country, the British Embassy throws throws a party. It's nothing personal. It's just that the organisation of these things is so horribly complex. The number of moving parts so huge, the niceties of diplomatic and royal etiquette so fiendish that the moment the royal party moves off, it's time for the local embassy staff to kick back and party big time. And I suppose, on a diplomatic level, this was a particularly successful trip coming back to royal tours after after the last two years of um of being absent.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the case. I mean, before we rock up to town, British embassy staff, people from the royal households, have been visiting the the locations once or twice on some occasions. For security, logistics, and all the rest of it. So I can imagine it is pretty exhausting dealing with us a lot as well, asking fifty-seven questions, mainly where's the lunch boxes? Can we have some more water? <laughs> where's the nearest hospital? Can you yeah, can we'll you get, get, a, this? You can <laughs> get me this straight away? Can you get a volivant removed from me from, <laughs> from a reporter's um so,
0: well this has been the uh the joke of the tour that i've uh i've had a mishap with the volivon i don't know whether it was a volivon or a canapé but you know i i have been equally uh my reputation has been tarnished but anyway it's moving
1: added to the first aid course now we <laughs> check away for
0: <laughs> Yeah, so i'll check check any um Issues Except with can- canapes them. on the on the way. Canipers. Now listen, I'm gonna move on to this um to this documentary that has screened in the UK on the BBC on where are we? On Tuesday night. And uh, quite interestingly, called The Princes and the Press, it is uh, by Amal Rajan, who is the media editor and a man with many string to his bows at the BBC, presenter of Radio 4, does the one show. People will know him on Twitter. He's a, a big media personality, former editor of the independent newspaper before all those jobs. And... Interestingly enough, I think that um, it was billed as it was going to have some really explosive details. There was uh, content over the weekend in one of the Sunday newspapers. Just read you the headline. It is Royals at War with the BBC over Tittle Tattle Documentary. Uh, apparently Queen, the Queen, Charles and William involved in a tri-household agreement to potentially boycott the BBC. Now, Bit of background, uh, Amal Rajam was interviewing several uh, royal correspondents, royal editors. Uh, Myself and Ian were not involved. Uh, There were some of my esteemed colleagues who were. I think they gave a pretty good account of how the royal machine works. So what is that relationship between the press offices and the press, how it works with the three households? I think, you know, we've always known Perhaps you know our readers and our listeners don't necessarily know that there's kind of an unwritten agreement that you don't tread on someone's toes in the household. If Prince Charles is doing a big tour, then Kate's not going to be, you know, uh, at a, yeah, a big engagement at the Royal Albert Hall on the same date. And that was the big um, issue, I suppose, with Harry and Meghan, right? And when we do, you remember when we were in South Africa? and they dropped the... What, what, what was the, the issue? They,
1: they basically... Legal action thing. Yeah, they so... Really take a legal action.
0: And they, they, some of these torpedo moments are, are, are contained in the documentary. I imagine it will be screened on PBS in the States. I'm not too sure about our Australian cousins and elsewhere. I will try and find out for you. But it's part of two parts. So the first one sort of dealt with the boys' relationship with the press when they were growing up. Obviously, their mother was fiercely protective. Um... Now, the issue while the rules at war is because the, the the policies weren't, I mean, this is arguable, but the, the policies were essentially saying that they weren't given a uh a preview copy of the show now i don't think that that would happen in a normal world anyway if you or i were doing a story about you know said person joe blogs we would obviously go to them with the list of allegations or claims that may be contained in a news article or a broadcast piece but you wouldn't give them the full readout of your of your content you would you would give them the main claims and allow them the right of reply so at the end of the documentary we had this extraordinary statement of uh you know the the three households which i'll read to you in a minute when i find it however um first bit was about the boys relationship with the press growing up and the second part looks like uh reading between the lines it will be about the boy the disintegration of the boys relationship and how that was affected perhaps by press coverage perhaps by you know said briefing wars against each other. um, It will be quite an interesting watch. But um, what did you make of it?
1: I didn't think there was, for us, because we're a little bit in the know, there wasn't anything incredibly revelatory, was there? There was a lot of going over things in the past. Yeah, the, the not upstage in the other. I mean, look what happened last week. It was a Royal Variety performance, and on an American TV station, somebody did a, a big interview, and that's the, the sort of yeah. thing that you don't do, especially with the Royal Variety performance, because it, it's such an important thing, that, that what it does and what it raises. But, you know, that's what somebody's gone and done, and that's that. But I didn't think it was hugely revel- revelatory, was it? But maybe that's because we we kind of in inside it. Too much. But I think it's any relationship where if you're the financial editor, you're going to have contacts with press officers, aren't you? You're going to speak to press officers. Some will like you, some won't. And having a good relationship is is the way that this whole thing works, isn't it? Any kind of journalism. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, I, listen, I, I, obviously, whether you are a crime journalist, you're going to be speaking to the the, the Ministry of Defence uh, or the uh, the Metropolitan Police. You're going to have relationships with people in those press offices. Exactly the same for um, for the royal journalist. However, I do think Camilla Tomley of the of the uh, Daily Telegraph summed it up when she said, "I don't think I've ever." had, you know, a royal press officer ring me up and go, You never guess what's happened or giving you a scoop. I mean, that's not how it works. They are there to be the link to I suppose, sort the fact from fiction, I suppose. Obviously, you know, we're all human. We sit, we travel together. We have relationships. But there's never been an instance in my career where I've been called up by, uh, by, you know, said press officer, Joe Bloggs, working for Prince Charles, who has then given you a story. So that was probably quite an interesting um, aspect of it because somebody, you know, I, I think sometimes... You know, especially on Twitter, I see people get carried away, that there's briefing wars and people are being leaked stories here and there. That's really not how it works. But um, whether the royals are are angry, it is is quite interesting that, uh, you know, this statement came out. I mean, Buckingham Palace, Kensington Palace, Clarence House said it was disappointing that the broadcaster had chosen to air allegations surrounding Harry and Meghan's departure. Um, I mean, you know, will this kick off? Are relationships at rock bottom with the bbc i think we've seen over the last few months prince william uh slamming the bbc over its handling of the martin Bashir affair i mean he was you know very very forthright in his views there however he's still working with the bbc doing Earthshot, working with david attenborough so you know i've said before when the establishment versus establishment is eating yourself you you know you have a problem however i i think that to say it's you know, rock bottom is probably a bit of a stretch because I imagine relationships between the royals and the uh, the BBC were probably at, at rock bottom when the uh, the Princess Diana Panorama interview uh, aired, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the whole Bashir thing is just its so complicated now, isn't it? I mean, there's fact, there's fiction, there's more fiction. I mean, I, I, I just don't even know what to believe out of that now. Yeah, so complicated isn't it but yeah I think this will this will heal won't it I mean you know the BBC is is the BBC you know it's. I think the BBC is the most incredible organisation that we've got you know I, I would never shy away from listening to the BBC or believing what they tell me but
0: yeah I, I think well, this will heal uh, well I think it will heal and I think we'll be well let's let's catch up maybe next week where it, we'll do a pod from Barbados uh, and I think there will be It'll be interesting to see the second part because the second part is about um, issues to do with the brother's fallout with the relationship. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how that is portrayed by the commentators that they had. I mean, it's it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation to be had. And I think that people will be interested in it. Um, so listen, let, let us know what you think. Uh, drop me a line. Drop uh, the pod, save Insta or Twitter a line because uh, we will we'll obviously take this up next week and and uh, give probably a, maybe a full evaluation of of the two parts of the program. But um, what have we what have we seen else this week? We had a double christening. We have had Masters August Brooksbank and Lucas Tindall christen together. I believe a role first. You've been around a lot more than than me. Ian, think, the, the, think, the, the, several, um, the several decades that
1: you've been covering. the ages, I, mean, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, there is a first. And, of course, the Queen attended, which is um, a, a really nice thing. We saw her with the outgoing head of the army for the first... We hadn't seen much about the Queen recently. Then she had the outgoing uh, chief of staff in, and then she went to the double christening. So... And looking pretty damn sprightly for a 95-year-old monarch.
0: She did. She did. I mean, this it's, it's the queen is taking a rest. She's had to take a boat back. See, talking about, you know, other members of the royal family stepping up. That's certainly the uh the, the the point of order that I understand. You've got the you know the the seven, dubbed the magnificent seven. I don't know how magnificent they are, but how a bit bit, of, bit of tongue in cheek there. Um of the senior roles who have got to step up, and will be collaborating with each other next year, no doubt about it. You've got um, big tours going to be coming up. I mean, we were—it tr- was like picking lucky dip. We were trying to suggest where we might be going next year. Um, maybe come on to that in a sec. But the Queen, recovering from her back strain, she looked she looked sprightly at the um, the audience yesterday with the uh, Governor of the Bank of England, and so. Good news for the queen to be to be back. Sad news, unfortunately, that um, that Jack's father had passed away just days before the christening, which I'm sure wasn't an, an awful awful wrench for him. But to have friends and family around you, especially after the last year after COVID, is um, is actually another sign that we are getting out of a of a of a terrible situation that we've been in into the uh, in in the last year. And just before we go. I'm going to give you a little bit of an update about what me and Ian will be up to next week. We will be in sunny, although not so sunny Barbados there's some thunderstorms there at the moment. So pack your pack your rain mac. Oh
1: god,
0: might not go then. <laughs> so you're off in a matter of hours. You're going to go ahead yeah, scope the place out, scope the scope the best beach bar spokes the best room for, for you and, yes of um,
1: course find the best laundry find the hospital. Find sure the best hospital done. probably yeah find the hospital volavant removal kit sheet yeah. polishing <laughs> not only do I have to take the pictures but I have to make sure that you know Russell I survive yeah Russell yeah. survives because yeah
0: anyway it's not going to be jolly it,
1: it, we are only going to be there for
0: a matter of hours I think you're going to be there mm. for a few more days than me but I'm going to be there for something like I don't know Thirty-six hours, uh, yeah. so it's going to be pretty intense. The obviously the um, the big, the, the, it, I mean, it's a big deal. The, the Queen Head of fifteen realms of the Commonwealth. You know, the last time this happened apparently was the Maldives. Uh, the last time Prince yeah, Charles, a long time ago. Uh, yeah, a long time ago, and the last time Prince Charles attended or member of the the monarchy attended was Prince Charles back in nineteen eighty when Zimbabwe uh, was declared a republic. So a big deal i think fantastic that he's been invited they still want to remain part of the commonwealth but become a republic and not have the queen as the head of state so what does this mean does this mean australia canada i'm sure we've had we've had discussions with about australia in the past certainly that they've had um they've had quite a republican movement and whether that will rear its head again i th- i think it will i think you know once once we are entering a new uh, period of the monarchy, then um, it'd be interesting to hear from our Australian cousins and our Canadian cousins what what they think. But you know, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I mean, Australia—they've they've had a referendum on this before, haven't they? And it didn't—it um, it remained. Oh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, to us, obviously living in in England, United Kingdom, you know, we the Queen is you know, in our grasp, you know, you can go to Buckingham Palace, etc. But it must be unusual to be living in Australia, the other side of the world, and your monarch is on the other side of the world. It must be a little bit strange. I can see potentially why people, you know, have disengaged from it. But let's see, you know, in the next decade, the monarchy is going to change, isn't it? I mean, that's. I think that's almost fact. I don't. know I could be wrong. The Queen could live till hundred and five, and I could, of course, yet again be wrong. But I think in the next ten years, a lot of things will change. I, I hope countries like Australia remain, you know, with the head of state and in the Commonwealth. But I, I'm not hundred percent sure where that's going to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, so on that. I, I mean, I've been to Australia a few times on on tours, and. Um, or maybe once on a tour. I've been to Australia several times, but it's it's be really interesting. Because I, I I mean, do you think we'll go there next year? Do you think
1: we'll have a Cambridge tour to I think someone from the Magnificent Seven, because literally a royal hasn't been there for so long now because of COVID and one thing another. I mean, maybe over three years, which is a long time. Normally a senior royal would have gone there in that in that period of time. So yeah, I think Canada has not had a, a big senior royal visit, nor has New Zealand, Australia. Australia and New Zealand normally end up yes. on the same thing, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, those countries haven't had a senior royal visit for such a long time now. So, um, yeah, I think and next year with the uh, anniversary, potentially, of the Queen's reign and the Commonwealth Games, obviously, it's, it's looking like a really busy year.
0: It's going to be mental. I mean, it's going to be really, really busy. And so the i i think i think it's a good shout for the cambridges i don't think necessarily charles and camilla that's a big long trip for them yeah. you know and it'll be you're, you're talking about a two-week tour so my bet would be the cambridges maybe see charles and camilla doing uh doing a tour in canada it's got to be uh you know the big hitters going to to, the, to those two realms but then as you as you mentioned platinum jubilee there's going to be an awful lot uh, awful lot for grabs so i'm sure that the royals will be clubbing together and um you know trying to make up for lost time because there has been uh you know the issue of not being able to do the job as we haven't been as well i suppose getting out doing engagements meeting the people is uh is hopefully going to be coming back with a vengeance next year so Let's take up Barbados next week. Hopefully we'll have some time to drop into the pod uh, because it's going to be a very, very busy schedule. And um, thank you very much for joining me. I hope you have a safe travel. Scope out the local hospitals for me. No volavons on on order for for when I arrive. But uh, until next time. Pod Save the Queen!